Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zaratti, and my usual fellow co-host Aaron Labar is on vacation, so I have with me Jill Wilson. Welcome, Jill, to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be kind of focusing on movies and talking about reviewing them. So we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about Long Time Running, which is the new Tragically Hip documentary. So Jill, I'm going to get you to, uh, I'm going to put you in the hot seat and get you to introduce yourself to our listeners. All right. Uh, Although they probably know your name. Possibly. From the paper. I have been working at the paper for 14 years. I uh, recently started writing more stuff. I was behind the scenes before. I write about food. I write about music. I write about movies, um, lifestyles, health, that kind of thing. So. 50 Shades of Grey round tables. Exactly. All, all kinds of round tables. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah. So how was your week? My week was excellent. I saw it, which I was anticipating a lot, so that was a highlight. And uh, yes, awesome. we're going to talk about that in the main segment, but I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. It's yes. a bit of a cultural blind spot for me, which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. as well. Um, and that's about it. I'm, I'm more excited about what's coming up in my week, which is the poutine cup tonight. So I'm going to gorge on poutine. Uh, oh my god! So what's involved in that? Like, are you just judging? Eating, poutine? No, no. I'm just going for pleasure. I'm just going to eat ten different kinds of poutine and then Amazing. probably moan. For a long time. <laughs> I've never been, so I'm not sure what the portions are like, but it is 10 different restaurants competing to see who makes the best poutine. There's an extremely flattering photo of me in the Free Press Archive eating poutine. I, I've looked at it many times. <laughs> it brings me much pleasure. That's what I will look like tonight, you know, probably smeared with gravy. And uh, but yeah, it's at Fort Gibraltar and there's beer and sounds great. And then uh, brew at the zoo. I'm also going to, which I'm excited about. So that's, I think, the first time they're doing it. So 10. Yeah. Well, even more than 10. I don't, there's a bazillion breweries. So that's going to be And it sold fun. out right away. I think it's the first time too. Yeah. And uh, it's nice because there's not really a place to drink at the zoo at the moment. No. So. And yeah. of course, everywhere that you go, you should be able to drink. So it's high time. <laughs> exactly. And you get you might get to see the polar bears floating around. And I, I have conflicted feelings about the zoo. But there is something about watching those bears swim over you that is kind of magical, I have to say. It is magical. I brought my uh, little niece to the zoo. She's She was like, I guess like 14 or 15 months at the time. And the bears didn't really put on a show with her. They were a little, little aloof. Mm-hmm. But she loved the seals. So Oh, yeah. The seals are great. Too. When, you see, yeah. when you see their paws, not the seals, the bears' paws on, or the, their bums when they're sitting yep. down, it's just, it's kind of <laughs> like, it's a, it's a window into their world that you wouldn't normally get. I know. So. I'm like, okay, I, I, I get this. I get, yeah. I get why people are into this. Yeah, for sure. Um, my week's been busy. It's like fall in the arts and life section, as you know, is crazy times. So there's a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, after we're done recording this, I am placing, attempting to place a transatlantic call, which is always hard for me, um, to Sweden to talk uh, to one of the women from Arrival from Sweden, which is like the world's foremost ABBA tribute. They're playing with the WSO next weekend, so I'm doing a story yes. on that. So that'll be exciting. Let's talk about it. Let's. Now, you have not seen it. I have not seen it. Nor read it. No. It's a bit of a... We've started doing something on Bury the Lead called Cultural Blind Spots, where we talk like, to people about a really famous thing they somehow have never seen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've neither seen this movie, obviously, because it just came out, but I've never read it, which is... Uh, have you read other Stephen King? I have read part of The Shining. Okay. So it's really not... That's just not your bag it's i think like i honestly when i was tried to read the shining i found it scary (laughs) scary. yeah so i just kind of stopped and then didn't pick it up again but it's (laughs) always been 
a book that I've been yeah. meaning to well, read. Well, it is, a, is daunting because it's, it's over a thousand pages, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, yeah, you have to immerse yourself in it. And when I read it in high school when it came out and I was obsessed with it, like I, I dreamed about the characters. I can t- recite lines from it to this day. And so I was very excited about this movie and it really did not disappoint me. Um, what I found, and other reviewers have said this too, but really uh, successful about it was that it does what the book does, which is put a lot of the horror on real things um right their characters are going through the things that prepubescent kids go through there's some abuse there's terrible bullying um and those things are just as scary in the movie actually if not more than than pennywise the clown who's right. this you know malevolent force that lives in in dairy maine um and actually some of the some of the cgi horror stuff is not successful but the home the home tensions and stuff stuff and the bullying is always because it's something you can everyone can relate to everyone's you know oh, had yeah. that in their life maybe not to this extent but uh, and the child actors are just they are fantastic they are they're like like they went into my brain basically and pulled the what i saw when i read the book out like it, they're fantastic i love when that happens when something is really especially films that are based on books when they're really faithful to your imagination yeah. which is kind of impossible right because it's in your head it's your imagination yeah. it's your own vision thing but when you see it kind of writ large on the screen like that it's always cool it's yeah like, oh, that's actually and, how I pictured it and there's it, I mean it's a tricky balance too because they're, they're kids that are nerds they belong to the losers club so they have to be kids that you think other people would pick on but they also have to have a certain appeal and like the kid who plays Bill who's the main character he's kind of like the nerd dreamboat and he's he's a perfectly cast actor like he's just uh he's adorable but in a way that is, you can see why he would be picked on. But underneath, he's, you know, this beautiful kid. So I also really like when, and it was kind of talking before we were doing the podcast about mm-hmm. uh, like shows like Stranger Things and other pieces where it is, there is sort of that scary element, but at the heart of it is a group of kids navigating things such as friendships and growing up yes. and all those kinds and of I, things. And there, that's set sort of in the same time period in the 80s but also at the same same um age period where i think your friendships are super important to you but they're about to change because you're going to go to high school and so that's this is really their last summer probably of being friends and and it's just like it's they're almost in a world where adults don't exist because they just ride their bikes around and and it's like i remember doing that too as a kid it's very evocative of everyone's childhood and it's also although they moved it in the book the child the kids are kids in the 50s they've moved it to the 80s it still has this weird retro feel because they don't there's a lot of 80s specific mm-hmm. um, um set design which is you know it's great for you know for people who like that kind of retro nostalgia but it's also it feels timeless it could be set in the 50s like they're just they're in their this own their own little kid world so well and it's sort of interesting how um kind of looking at childhoods from the 80s and even the 90s a bit so just like things that i'm thinking of that have been made in the last little while like freaks and geeks which is a little while ago yep. and um stranger things again and a few others where it's just it's kind of that look at a very specific time but it also has that timelessness because any childhood that happened before the 2000s is a childhood that didn't have yeah the internet right yeah so i think it's uh i think it's kind of interesting how people seem to be really fixated on that yeah romanticizing it a bit too oh for sure yeah like you, you love seeing things that you had as a kid in mm-hmm. a movie it's like oh i had that phone or that poster or yeah it's kind of have you ever been to the henry ford museum in no the- i haven't 
they have this amazing section where it's a kid's room from the, every decade from like the 40s up to the 90s and it's like you look into this thing and it's like oh my god that's my room there's the hoodie that I had or the oh my god the, it's the so cool. style of phone it's it's great yeah it's a wonderful museum and that's what this kind of feels like too it's like you know a snapshot of the past of like innocence is very a very big sort of theme in the movie I think mm-hmm. and, and then the end of innocence so which is it's kind of deeper than I think most horror movies are although I, I may be projecting my own feelings about the book onto the movie I don't know if other people will feel the same way that I do about it but I thought it was fantastic so cool uh a film that i saw this week i went to the preview screening of long time running which is the documentary about the tragically hips final tour in Mm -hmm. 2016 um it premiered at tiff on wednesday night i believe yes um so got to see a preview screening before that and uh yeah i didn't know kind of what to expect from this documentary because i was kind of concerned that much like the things that were written after gordani's diagnosis with terminal brain cancer that it was kind of eulogizing someone who's still alive yes which feels really icky to me because it's like he's he's still alive though um and it doesn't do that and I was really happy to see that like it really provides a lot of um background and context into a major cultural moment for sure but also just a band and a crew trying to cling to some hope and yeah. figure out how to is, get a job done is it um mostly concert footage or is there a lot of interview there's segments? quite a lot of interviews so mm-hmm. it's kind of like the concert footage is beautifully shot and kind of i think almost from every city yeah um but there's a lot of interviews with the band and the crew and just a lot of like fly on the wall stuff yeah. too which i really liked and i also thought what made it successful was that the, it didn't focus on Gord the whole time. Yes. Like it really pointed out that here's a whole band because the tragically hip is always kind of like, they're unusually democratic, like absolutely songwriting split five ways always has been like, and can, I mean, it's hard to think of many bands that have had the same members for that long. Yeah. Switching out, you know, an, an interchangeable few. drummer that yeah, you would sure. even know the name of. Right. I, I mean, they're a band that I know the name of every member, which I think isn't the case. Yeah. Anymore. And like, they seem, I'm just basically giving away my whole review in this podcast, <laughs> but they really seem legitimately like brothers. And yeah. so the, what I felt was really insightful was the concerns a lot of them had. Like Rob Baker specifically was like, I don't know if this tour is a good idea. Yeah. I'm concerned about Gord potentially having a seizure on stage and everyone there to document it on their iPhone. I don't want God. that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, we know that the tour was a success and very much a victory lap, but I really like how much like Gord, the focus was kind of on everybody else, yeah. including the crew, because I think what's often forgotten is that it takes a huge amount of people to get a rock band on stage every night yeah and so it was about them too like you see people visually visibly shelving their feelings it's like we have a job to do yeah and my favorite was kind of like following around they never i don't think they interviewed him but he's just kind of like this roadie cowboy hat Mm -hmm. in in gord we trust t-shirt he just would kind of like wordlessly like give people pics and like set lists and they'd be like oh my god thank you so much and you just like give them the nod (laughs) keep going like it's like no this is just what i always do yeah and uh, Gord also has a really great pre-show ritual with people where he gives everyone a kiss on the lips, male mm-hmm. or female, and then like pulls them in close to tell them how much he loves them. Mm-hmm. And it was oh. just, yeah, it was just like, you know what, like the, all the gratitude and love and appreciation that people have for Gord, it's yeah. clearly he has it for everybody around him. So 
Yeah. Did you shed a tear? Bra- oh, I'm, God. I'm shedding a tear right now. <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, just kind of low-key crying yeah. throughout the whole thing. Like, <laughs> my lead is like, bring Kleenex because yeah. you'll Did, did you'll you see the, the show here? I did. Yeah. 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 Me too. Did you? Yes. Yeah. I didn't see the... Uh, um any of the, like the broadcast like the hometown no, show from Kingston I didn't either broadcast. I actually have it on my PVR and I haven't watched it yet no I actually, I. I actually found it the show very moving and I, I thought you know that's that's enough for me to have seen the one that I saw so I'll yeah from behind the stage <laughs> it, it um it was cool in the documentary to be able to see they sent cameras or went I'm not yeah. sure to a bunch of different places they had footage from all of you like the pubs and the parks oh, and yeah. The, yeah, yeah so it was kind of cool oh, to nice. see all of that as well and everyone kind of participating now is this is this airing on in theaters airing, yes playing <laughs> so it opens it opened Thursday and I think I know it's for sure playing like throughout the week at I believe Polo Grant Park and McGillery. Um, and then I think it's coming to Netflix, although I'm not sure sometime in the in the winter. But I highly recommend it. I think it's hard to make a good music documentary. It is. Definitely. Especially one that yeah. isn't just... Obviously, this one is for the fans and they'll get a yep. lot out of it. But it's hard to make a story compelling to everyone. Yes. Right? But yep. I think this is successful, whether you're a fan or not. I think there's well, lots I look, to I look get forward to seeing it and to reading your reviews. Speaking of reviews, I wanted to talk about this a bit because mm-hmm. I'm quite new. Obviously, I reviewed concerts for a long time and have reviewed albums and that kind of thing. Um, and a lot of, I find a lot of concert reviewing is a lot of reporting. Yes. Anyway, really. Um, movie reviewing is new for me and I find it, I find movies and books really hard to review for whatever reason. Yes, I I, I agree. I mean, concerts have their own stresses but it, like you said it's reporting in the moment like what's actually happening yeah in movies you there's a lot more uh critical thought you have more time really to think about what you want to say and and lingering effects of like concerts are so ephemeral and movies are there mm-hmm. forever so you you know other people are going to be able to see the same thing as you and uh, you know assess it later so you it's, have to... yeah it's kind of like the first impression versus the later impressions thing because yeah. concert reviews are only first imp- like that's all you have is yes the in the moment thing yeah. but yeah you're right do you enjoy it i do um i think it's one of those things that i'm learning to enjoy more mm-hmm. i think i would just often feel really stressed out by it uh because you always want to have something to say i find so it's like you don't want to fall into like the I'm just synopsing yes, the plot, which is like... which is something that I find myself doing far too often. And it's also something that like with a concert review, you don't have to worry about spoilers, it's right? Exactly. Already. Yeah, you have to be very careful sometimes with with reviews because it's hard to look back on it as if you haven't seen it and say, oh shoot, that's something I shouldn't reveal because you know even that little thing kind of mm-hmm. gives away something later. It, yeah, it's a tricky or just like nice moments. Like there's a nice moment in the hip documentary that I reference in my review. And then after I filed it, I was like, oh, my God, like, maybe that would be a nice thing for people to discover on their own. So yes. even even something that isn't super narrative driven, like, obviously, we know how the hip documentary ends. Like, yes. The tour was a success. <laughs> but yeah, just even like little moments of discovery. It's hard, like. Yeah. Because then it, do, it does ruin it a little bit when you've even if you've seen something in a trailer that that was a nice moment. It's like, well, why did you show me that? Like, yeah. I would, I would have liked to have seen that for. Yeah. For on my own. Yeah, it's uh, and also just the having time to think about it because you you do have time and you don't have time. Like this review, yes. I had to turn around like 
pretty fast so that we could have it so it's useful to people. Yeah. Um, so there's always like, I don't know if you find where it's always like, oh, I should have said this. Oh, every time. I Yeah. I, yeah. That's one of the things I'd really, I, I'm always tempted to go back in online and, cha- and tweak it and I can't. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> what I should thing. have said was, no. And it, th- th- there's something also very um, fulfilling about when people tell you they like your reviews or, or that, you know, they, they felt like you really summed it up the right way because it's like this this connection where I find people don't do that as much with reviews because with concert reviews because they're so personally attached in what they saw and how it made them feel that they don't have the same kind of you're more likely to get you're an idiot with a concert review right I think, than with a movie review or a book review and I think it kind of goes back to the whole uh reportage piece mm-hmm. because I think in concert reviews people particularly fans and I've talked about this on the show before uh, they I I just assume you know more than me because yes. if you're a super fan like yeah there are the, very few bands where I feel like I'm the expert. right you are the expert for sure so I think people just get really um not hung up on, but aware of the facts, right? So if you yeah. get a song title wrong, well. Oy, oy, oy. Whereas in a film, it's it's more subjective, right? Yes. It's a little bit like, not that your opinion of a concert is right or wrong, but it's there's just a little bit more um, factual content underpinning. Yes. Well, I, I should remind you that I started reviewing before the internet. And it was a nightmare. Oh, I had to review. I can't even imagine. I had to review Bob Dylan at the old arena. I was not a Bob Dylan fan. I had to go out and buy six of his albums with my own money and listen to him mumble. It was a terrible show. You couldn't hear anything in that arena. And I would have to just hope that what I was hearing was a song that I thought it was from not knowing. On the plus side, it made me a Bob Dylan fan because I loved the albums, which I hadn't really gotten into before, which sounds ridiculous. But but yeah, I was was terrified of doing that because I thought I'm going to be raked over the coals. I wasn't. But you, I fudged it so much. Like I just talked about the atmosphere in the arena. You know? like, yeah, it was, you know, now you can just look it up if you need to like type in some lyrics and the song title will come up. And in those days it was like, I have no idea what you're on about, sir. <laughs> oh yeah, the that has definitely made it easier. And yeah. I think Aaron can talk about this too, like the definite lyric scramble sometimes because as prepared as you are, there's going to be something worse. I don't remember the title of the song yeah. and I can't, hum it into my computer (laughs) (laughs) so you're trying to strain to listen for a googleable lyric fragment so terrible reviews it's it's I want to talk to you about that because Mm -hmm. it's always I always have a hard time it's not because I think I'm too nice but it's just I sometimes feel bad really ripping into stuff even if it deserves it (laughs) I absolutely do too because I I really try to be aware of the fact that sometimes those people are will be reading them especially because of the internet for sure and it's their it's their art yes and i i wrote a very nasty review recently of a book that i thought fully deserved to be ripped and and i just wrote a not very nice review of a movie called hunting pignet which is a well-meaning but po-faced canadian feature coming of age and it's like it's just not interesting yeah. like it's it's and i can't you know and i do think that she'll probably read the review because she's on her website she's linked to a bunch of other reviews the filmmaker and she's a former gutter punk and she's kind of tried to purvey a gutter punk yeah. lifestyle and she's done a really good job of that but it's not a there's no story like it's just like yeah and I, I do feel bad but I also am very cognizant of not soft pedaling exactly just to be the nice girl right? exactly because really all you can be is honest and yes. that's that's all you have at the end of the day and you have to weigh like Who's more important, the readers 
or the person who made the art. And it, for my job as a reviewer, it's the people who are going to spend money to go and exactly. see the, the movie. So. I find it's always helpful, exactly that, to remember who you're in service to. And yes, the readers, right? It's yeah. the audience. So still, it's hard. Still, it's hard. It's hard work. <laughs> Our work is so hard, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, I've heard from a few people um, who are Bury the Lead listeners um, who've told me that they like hearing about this kind of behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of goes back to how I like seeing the behind the scenes stuff in the hip documentary. Yeah. I like seeing the pre-show rituals. I like seeing what it took to get them on stage. So yeah. I always like the sort of behind the scenes yeah. glimpses into people's and I jobs. Mean, I'm being sarcastic about how hard it is, but I do think it's valuable for people to know that we don't do things thoughtlessly. Like I get, you know, sometimes you'll get responses saying, you, you know, that you're a jerk and that was mean. And it's like, no, it, it was really well thought out meanness. <laughs> like it, was, it wasn't mean just for the sake of being mean. I agonized over that harsh. <laughs> and then you stress out the night before it appears in the paper. <laughs> That's true. Oh God. Oh God. People have no idea. Like that never goes away. That feeling of, oh my God, like, what did I say? It never goes away. Yeah. Or just like the waking up, like, oh my God, did yeah. I make a horrible, horrible yes. mistake? Like, yeah. I mean, how many times have you sat up in bed at two in, two in the morning going, <gasps> oh shoot, that was wrong. Or Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, because, and like, that's the nature of a mistake, right? Is that it's not intentional. Yes. And yet it's so like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's hard to live in fear of making one because you can't anticipate yep. that. No, nope. You just do your best and try to be honest and try to have your back straight and exactly. And then try to pitch a better game if necessary. <laughs> but it is, I mean, partially we are expected to be sort of experts on so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you can't. There's only so many things I know for sure, for sure in my life. And you're also relying on people you talk to to tell you the truth and be accurate. And yeah, it's very stressful. As always, we always devote the last segment to what we're reading, watching, and or listening to. So I will let my guest, Jill Wilson, start. All right. I am reading four things right now because I was trying to do this. (laughs) It's dumb. It's really dumb. I'm actually getting two of them conflated in my mind, too, which is terrible. I can't do that. I've always admired people that are able to read. Like People are like, I'm reading two books at once, like four. (laughs) Well, they're all really short, and I keep, but then I keep losing interest in one, and I'm like, I'm trying to do this 95 books in a year thing, which I am never going to complete. I don't even know why I'm still saying it out loud. That's impressive. (laughs) I, as listeners know, have been trying to do 52 books in 52 weeks, and... I'm going to be very lucky. And this is if I really pull up my socks Mm -hmm. to make 30. I just made 30. Just good. And I, and I, yeah, but what I have to triple that plus five. (laughs) No. Um, I am reading a book of essays by Barry Lopez, which I forget the name of, but it is absolutely wonderful. It is about, uh, he's a former photographer who is also a nature and travel writer. And uh, this book is out of print. It was recommended to me by uh, someone I met on a cruise last year who's also a photographer and his he's just a beautiful writer like just describes things in a way that you can't even I can't even dream of doing and I'm you know I do some travel writing too and it's like yeah. well I might as well just give up because <laughs> I'll never be Barry up. Lopez but it's also <laughs> taking me a long time to read because you did something you really want to savor and so right. it's uh, taking me longer than it should and what else am I reading um well you tell me what you're reading because I I am have just started a book, a Canadian book called The F Bomb, which I will be reviewing. So it's about um, feminism and sort of the from inside the war on feminism. So I've just started it, so I don't have an opinion on it yet. But it's uh, who's I, it by? It is by 
Lauren McKeon or McKean. I don't know mm-hmm. how to say her last name. I apologize right okay. now. Um, but I've read some of her other work. Um, just she's written for a bunch of Canadian publications. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm familiar with her and uh, have really liked it. So I'm liking it so far. And I'm also still reading uh, Chuck Klosterman's But What If We're Wrong, which is like mm-hmm. kind of considering the present as though it's the past. It is oh, not yes. a it is not a quick re- like his stuff is typically dense because he kind of works on a whole other plane but yeah yeah so I'm still still I, I, working on that I want to read that one I'd like to know what you think of it when you're um I'm liking it so far but it's just it's usually I'm a fast reader and I'm finding that this one is yeah and then, then I had to pause it because I so I guess I am reading see there two you books go at the same time. <laughs> um but I wanted to ask you what your stance is is on abandoning books I am a a firm believer in not abandoning but I have abandoned two this year which I've n- I have almost never done before one of them I just I just couldn't and I was I was kind of reading it as a chore it's like oh it's part of my 95 books so I've got to get through it and I was like why because it's taking me too long because I hate it so much and I can't remember what it's called it's about it's about um a guy who uh, went to um live with headhunters in, oh, okay. and, and he was they, he disappeared and they assumed that he was and it's about the history of cannibalism and which sounds like it would be fascinating yeah but it is not so that, <laughs> that's probably the first book I can think of that I have not not finished and I and I put down one other one this year because I was like I got I'm on a schedule I can't I can't be tied up with these yeah and I think it's kind of what happens when you start like recording things that you're doing like it's yes. kind of like the Fitbit of books, right? It's like, well, I just got to get this in. Like, exactly. And that's not fun. No. So. And life's too short. So, yep. but yeah, I can't do it. And same with TV shows. Like, oh, yeah. I have to. Struggled through the latest season of Orange is the New Black, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have three episodes left because I just, I'm like, but I, I feel like this. I've invested so much time. Though, I know. Like I want to see it to its completion. And I, I've, I'm still watching Scandal, which is <laughs> has gone. I mean, it has gotten off the rails ridiculous. But I'm like, well, I invested, however, five yeah. seasons. I've got to see it through to its inane conclusion. Got to see it through. Another one I kind of struggled through this time was Love, which you were saying that you were yes, watching as well. Yes, I, I really loved the first, the first season. And now I'm finding it. I mean, I find the character of Mickey um a, a she's tough to like and I don't yeah. need likable people but she's really kind of awful and yeah. <laughs> and and I don't understand why Gus would be with her sometimes like I don't understand what charm she has that I know way her dislike of everything that he likes and her kind of mockery of his passions I don't know agreed I also don't need my characters to be likable I need them to be relatable and I need them to grow in some way and I feel like she hasn't no I feel like it's like ah this again like what now (laughs) 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 yes like she is you know I hate I hate the word toxic it gets overused I think but she is a pretty toxic person and she's not gonna do him any favors I don't think but I don't think so either. No. But what are you uh, working on for the next uh, little while? What am I working on? Well, um, not much because I'm leaving on a cruise for Greenland on Thursday. Oh, exciting. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to be working on that. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting stories that come out of that. We're going to a lot of, we're going to four national parks, two of which I think are run entirely by Indigenous staff. Cool. And they're very uh, under visited because they're in Labrador and they're very remote. Right. So I'm very excited about, about that and Greenland. 
I'm yeah like, come on that will be awesome yeah i uh, have the abba wso thing coming up which i was talking about earlier in the show and then uh the huge exhibit opening at the winnipeg art gallery as oh well, you're doing that yeah that sounds really yeah. exciting insurgents resurgence mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's uh I, yeah the biggest indigenous show that they've had so yeah. that should be super cool um with and it was co-curated by their new curator of indigenous and contemporary art jamie isaac so mm-hmm. uh, i'll be chatting with her about that and then as always you can find everything that we're working on at winnipegfreepress.com and of course in the paper you can also follow me on social media i'm at Jen Zeratti on twitter and instagram and jill how can people find you i am at dedomier d-e-d-a-u-m-i-e-r on Instagram and Twitter as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was a delight. Anytime. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.